This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. And I'm Jenna Million. And this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. And also, just a friendly reminder that if you are missing us on the days of the week after you've listened to the podcast episode, you're just like, wow, I really wish that I could hang out with Sarah and Jenna more. You can do that by joining us on Patreon. We have a Discord, we have bonus episodes, and lots of other fun stuff, so come hang out with us there at patreon.com slash name3songs, or if you just want to donate to the cause because you feel like giving us some extra loving, you can do that at paypal.me slash name3songs. Or not. Whatever. We still love you anyway. (laughs) So Sarah, what are we talking about today? Today we're revisiting the world of parasocial relationships, and this time we're visiting artists who have disappointed their fans. And so in disappointing, basically, we mean that the illusion of who you think the celebrity is, is dissipating. So you might think that somebody is on the right side of history, or that they have very progressive views, and then they do something, and you're just like, oh, Oh shit. The facade drops and they're not who you thought they were. So we're discussing the two sort of sides of the spectrum of do celebrities owe you them being open and honest about everything that they're passionate about? Do they need to yell about everything that's happening in the media? Is that their job? And then also how sometimes when celebrities might be outspoken in a way that we expect them to be, but then they do something that doesn't stand with like what you think they actually are as a person because of what they're portraying to the world. And we're not getting into sexual misconduct today. We already have two episodes about that. That's a whole other ballpark. So we're leaving that out of the conversation for now and talking more about things that are more like aligned with morals and like conduct and feminism because I think a lot of intersectional feminism conversations is what's happening in the world right now and whether or not people are aligned with that. And also sexual misconduct is just like illegal whereas most of this stuff is just shitty. Exactly. Important disclaimer. But so for those of you who haven't listened to our first parasocial relationship episode, we just thought that we would give you a little bit of a refresher on what exactly parasocial relationships are and whether or not they're actually something that is good to take part in. Because I feel like a lot of people are like, oh wow, do I like love Harry Styles too much? Because I feel like Harry Styles is a quintessential parasocial relationship person because he's a close book very much so. So he's just like a very good example of something like this. And you'll be happy to know that some psychologists say that there's absolutely nothing wrong with how obsessed with Harry Styles you are. Dr. Lin Feng, who's an assistant professor in the Faculty of Social Work at the University of Toronto, who was part of a study called Adolescent Idolization of Pop Singers, Causes, Expressions, and Reliance. And basically what they concluded is that idolization of pop stars has unique characteristics for adolescents. It provides a basis for self-expression, the construction of self-identity, and the achievement of independence. But rest assured, all is well. (laughs) it is completely normal and healthy to have these types of relationships and also a theoretical model was created by the 
editor of the North American Journal of Psychology, named Lynn McCutcheon. And this model called the Celebrity Attitude Scale was developed to explain how people are emotionally involved with their favorite celebrity. And about one third of the population over the age of 12 might qualify as celebrity admirers based on their CAS scores. So this is not an uncommon thing. It is not an unhealthy thing to admire celebrities and model your personality after them. But where things get problematic is when we get into cancel culture. Dun, dun, dun. So according to Insider, cancel culture came into collective consciousness around 2017 after the idea of canceling celebrities for problematic actions or statements became popular. But we're probably not going to talk about it in the way you think we're going to talk about it. At first, it was just like really popular to just deplatform people. You're like, you're canceled. You can never talk ever again because you had a bad take or you did something kind of awful that we don't agree with. But now as it's evolved, we've realized canceling isn't a good way to go about things because there's no accountability in cancel culture. People aren't able to learn from their mistakes and grow, which is the most important thing that we need in society. And I feel like it's really important to hold people accountable, but I think in a lot of instances, people are trying to cancel artists just to have some sort of control. And that's where parasocial relationships get tricky because I feel like as our research has proven to us, it seems like parasocial relationships are just like you think you know a person but you don't really know them but because they're a celebrity in the spotlight you feel that connection to them which is completely fine and that's sort of why celebrity exists in some ways but because you feel like that ownership over this person and because you feel like you know them and because you've built this relationship idea that you have with them in your mind I'm not talking like you think that someone's like your boyfriend or whatever I mean like you feel that connection where people will be like oh like Ariana Grande made me feel more creative or oh I've been really inspired by this artist and what they're doing you know even if you don't actually know if that's what the artist does because I mean I think we've mentioned this briefly before but sometimes fans will be like oh yeah like without One Direction I never would have felt comfortable saying that I was gay or that I was bisexual or these things and it's like One Direction never talked about sexuality it's the people you met through One Direction and so you correlate what you learn from broadening your horizons through a fan base with the actual artist rather than giving yourself the praise for meeting more open-minded people and learning about yourself and being comfortable being open about things. Yes, that's a very good point, Sarah. And so there's also a New York Times article written by Jonah Engel Bromwich from 2018, so just a year after cancel culture became popular, called Everyone is Cancelled. And in this article, Jonah talks to Lisa Nakamura, professor at the University of Michigan who studies intersection of digital media, race, gender, and sexuality. And Lisa says that cancel culture is a cultural boycott. It's an agreement to not amplify, signal boost, give money to. People talk about attention economy. When you deprive someone of your attention, you're depriving them of a livelihood. Nakamura goes on to say that cancel culture was born of a desire for control. As you just said, Sarah, people have limited power over what is presented to them on social media, which are notorious for being poorly regulated. So it's this thing of here's all the information on the internet that we're being presented. And I think, you know, we especially see this with celebrities being able to use their platforms more and also be encouraged by fans to use their platforms more. Like this is where this comes into play. People think, if you don't believe what I believe, or if you don't speak up and use your platform, then you're a bad person and you're canceled because you're not worth our our time and attention. 
which is frustrating because I mean, the internet is both a blessing and a curse. (laughs) People have become so accessible. You can learn anything with just like a few little taps of a keyboard, you know? But at the same time with social media, people in pop culture, there's so much more of an expectation of them. And so when there are artists like Ariana Grande who basically will post about anything that's happening out in the world just to be like, look, I'm progressive. I care about the stuff, which I'm sure she does, but I'm just saying like, she's been very good at sharing about basically everything that's happening. Whereas then there are people like Harry Styles or like Jennifer Lawrence who are just like two people who a lot of people were like, oh yes, they're so relatable and quirky. I love them. My whole personality is that I love them, but yet we don't really know a fucking thing about them. And so we just place these ideas about them and then we're like, hey, why are you not talking about this? And it's like, from the little you know about somebody, it's like, do you really want to know their viewpoints on this topic? Because you might not agree with it. But also in some situations, like I don't want to get information about the Israel-Palestine war from people who aren't educated on that because that's silly like it's good to have people give resources and be like oh like here's how you can donate to help these people but like you shouldn't expect people to be like i'm gonna stand on my soapbox and tell you how i feel about this when they are probably not educated on it and the other thing that gets really messy really quickly is that there's so many people sharing so many different resources that sometimes not all of the information is a hundred percent correct or like a hundred percent true of the full picture or sometimes there's so many organizations that pop up that like donate money to this cause it's like is this organization legit or did it just pop up is this a scam there's so much misinformation out there like you personally have to spend time double checking to make sure you're donating to the right thing or to make sure you fully understand the conversation even if you're sharing like an educational resource you have to be careful now and I think like we said it's so easy to like be a part of a conversation and retweet a resource that a lot of times it's kind of like a no-brainer but we're going to get into that a little bit more in a minute here. But something else that I want to bring up is when we think about canceling, we think about like, oh, I'm not supporting this artist anymore. I'm not going to give any of my time, attention, or money to this artist. But there's actually a really interesting article called These Musicians Were Canceled, But People Kept Listening in Jezebel by Rich Juzwiak in 2019. And this writer actually went and looked at streaming data from artists like Michael Jackson, Ryan Adams, R. Kelly, Extentacion, and others after news had come out about them being bad people, like actually doing horrendous things and looked at the streaming data in that timeline before the news happened, during and after. And in all of the cases, streaming went up for these artists. Nobody stopped listening to them. Like streaming actually went up. And I think part of that is like, even if you're not like fully paying attention to the story, you might've like seen a headline for like Ryan Adams and passing and you're like, oh yes, let me listen to that Ryan Adams album. If you're not paying attention to what the conversation actually is, if you're not like, oh, this is a bad man, I don't want to support him. And so for like the general public, this is the thing. Rich goes on to write, to subscribe to the notion that the public readily exerts its power to defrock a celebrity is to believe in a black and white binary the absolute polarity of good and bad. The truth is messier. Those who believe in and decry cancel culture also miss a crucial point. In order to enact its power, the public must have the will to do so. And so in these cases that are very much more serious, horrendous cases than what we're going to talk about today with like Ryan Adams, Michael Jackson, R. Kelly, as I said, the general public has to all be on the same boat in order for these people to properly be canceled. Like this is the same reason that Chris Brown still has a career after what happened with Rihanna in the early 2000s. It's so crazy because also sometimes people will see something and they'll be like oh 
oh, those were the times. Oh, this was just what happened. Like, we don't know the real story. Sometimes people literally are like, oh no, my fave's gonna be canceled. I'm gonna go stream them all day. I don't care what they did wrong. Like, there's so many different avenues that people can go down for something like that. But I do also think like what you said is somebody will see a headline and they'll be like, oh, I haven't listened to Michael Jackson in a while. They don't even read it. Like, there's so many people who just, like, scroll on Twitter, read a headline, and are like, oh, that's shitty, whatever. And then, like, three hours later, they're like, why, why am I thinking about Michael Jackson? <laughs> then they go listen to Michael Jackson. Well, exactly. And the other thing is we talked to Troy McEady from Dunzo Podcast a little bit about this on our, like, previous episode. But Troy's take was kind of like, I think he used a Michael Jackson example. The documentary that came out isn't going to erase the history and legendariness of what Michael Jackson did with his career. Like thriller's not gonna disappear. Like you're going to hear it around. And this article actually opens talking about all the places that this dude heard Michael Jackson's music playing, like at the airport, at the mall, at a friend's birthday party, all of these places. That's not just gonna be erased. And so what Troy's point was, is that we have to understand that there can be a separation between you loving an artist and like who that person actually is. And I think that's where things get messy right now is because people want the artist to be who they want them to be and not who they actually are. And then people are getting upset that they're not the most ideal 100% perfect version of who they want this person to be. Yeah, and it's completely acceptable to want an artist to speak about something that's going on in the political zeitgeist, even in the pop culture zeitgeist to call out like, oh, they toured with somebody who's done something apprehensive or whatever like it's completely acceptable to want that but also I think you need to look on the other side of things of like you don't want to be educated by the wrong person because there's so much falsities on the internet right now that you can think that you're doing something positive and share something that's actually detrimental to other parties in a lot of scenarios so it's just like trusting the right people and so if somebody is just like oh like my assistant will just go retweet some things rather than them actually caring like you have the possibility of millions of fans flocking to like a gofundme for a false cause i mean that goes to my point earlier too and i think the other part of the conversation is here is like when is it worth holding your celebrity accountable or not because there's some things that like people do that's like disappointing but isn't hurting anyone and you can't really be mad about it every single time like there's some things that aren't you know if, if it's not actively hurting a community it's not always worth canceling someone for but with that being said jenna like it's kind of like if your friend comes over and you're eating like tuna fish which is a very polarizing dish and your friend's like ew <laughs> no this is funny keep going ew don't eat that in front of me and then you like get in a little bit of a fight over the fact that you like tuna and your friend thinks it's repulsing and then one of you has to leave the room because you can't stand the smell of tuna fish but like you don't then be like you're not my friend any longer because you enjoyed something that i think is disgusting or bad for you like can you just imagine if like friendships ended over somebody eating gross food or like just doing something that's like not problematic or just like something along those lines of like your friend thinking that they're doing something kind but they're actually doing something that like bothers you or whatever 
like if you're fat and like if a friend came up to me and was like oh like you look like you lost some weight i'd be like why are you acknowledging that but i'm not gonna cancel them for telling me that i look like i lost some weight yeah you're probably gonna call them out and be like don't do that again and then they learn and that's accountability exactly like you would say something about it but you wouldn't be like sorry our friendship is canceled and i feel like if you have that like mindset with things i think a lot of people's twitter actions at least social media actions towards celebrities that they like might shift a little bit of being like okay i'm being a little ridiculous and i can speak from firsthand experience because i'm still upset about harry styles's juice cleanse (laughs) okay this is so funny because i could care less about juice cleanses and whether or not celebrities do them i like juicing (laughs) i'm not saying i I support juice juice cleanses i'm just saying i'm not anti-juice i'm neutral I'm not this is the thing it's like I'm not anti-juice cleanse I myself have like eaten really badly in a week and I'm in like I'm only gonna eat tofu and steamed vegetables for a week like that's my version of a juice cleanse if my body feels gross but the thing is is that I feel like <laughs> the idea of a juice cleanse I like being able to do a juice cleanse makes somebody so unrelatable to me because you know they're not just like going and like juicing their own shit they're like yeah. getting one of those ridiculous boxes sent to them that are like $500 yes. with like four juices a day and like all of them have like saffron in them yes. <laughs> or like something like a normal person cannot afford and so it's just one of those things where I'm like oh we are not on the same playing field whatsoever so it's less so the detoxing of the juice cleanse it's more so like the unrelatableness of doing a juice cleanse and talking about it the way that Harry talked about it in that Vogue article <laughs> it was just like so off-putting because I feel like as I said at the start of this episode like Harry is such a closed book that the fact that he gave us that insight into his personal life about a fucking juice cleanse just felt so much like a oh shock. this man would talk in like the royal British accent if he could <laughs> yeah it was a shock because we didn't know that about him like what we assumed of him was different and I think like the reason we're bringing up juice cleanses because this seems quite arbitrary but because Lizzo got in a huge people were mad at Lizzo for doing a juice cleanse and like we just talked about Lizzo in our recent episode about fat phobia but like basically what happened was Lizzo went on TikTok and was like yeah I had a lot of weeks of eating spicy food and kind of overdoing it and I just feel like I want to cleanse my body I consulted my health professional and I'm gonna do a juice cleanse and I'm just documenting this for y'all. She wasn't promoting people to do juice cleanses. She was just like, this is what I'm doing. And people got really mad because they thought Lizzo was this fat activist and that, you know, oh, Lizzo would never promote diet culture, you know? And like that wasn't Lizzo's intention, but Lizzo also never said that she was a fat activist. So this is where there's this disconnect of what people are projecting onto her for her to be versus like, who she actually is. I mean, we mentioned this in our Fat Phobia episode, but in this Where Your Voice article by Rashid Ajamu, written in 2020, they were saying how this juice cleanse for Lizzo's thin fans, they were viewing it as Lizzo's detox was a contradiction of the way that she promotes self-love because she says we should love ourselves, but she's apparently not allowed to ever partake in something that might alter her body. And then for fat fans, they're like, you're doing something that like we're not okay yes. with. And so it's just like two sides of things where like thin people People want Lizzo to be their like fun fat friend who's like comfortable being fat and then other fat people want her to continue to be like this icon who's showing self-love and so on top of that they're making her this poster child for something that she didn't ever say she wanted to be the poster child of so that's one of those things where they weren't necessarily yelling like cancel Lizzo but they were like big mad about it 
So with fans getting mad about something because they like assume something of a person, other people besides me were mad at Harry Styles about a more acceptable reason to be mad at him. But also, as we said earlier, like you shouldn't expect so much from somebody you know nothing about. But people have been really mad that Harry hasn't been very outspoken about political things, which... As we said in the beginning, it's great when they are, but sometimes it's not so great to get information from uneducated people. And so basically, like, Harry has, for a while now, at his concerts and stuff, had, like, a pride flag and all this other stuff. But again, we don't know anything about Harry. So we don't know if this is just him being an ally or if this has to do with himself as a person. We don't know. It's none of our fucking business. But people were like, why are you not speaking out about other people who are oppressed? And it's like, well, he might be oppressed we don't know because that's not something that we've been privy to you know and so people were getting really mad that he would sort of hint at being on the side of the black lives matter movement and this was like before the death of george floyd so it wasn't as like in the news headlines every single day but it still is a very important cause and always has been and people have always been outspoken about it but so he would like sort of hint at like oh these people are also oppressed but he would never acknowledge that somebody had a blm poster at the shows or have a flag for it or anything like that and so for a couple years like fans were really upset about this yeah there's actually a whole article about this called why harry styles fans are taking hashtag black lives matter signs to his gigs in a publication called new statesman from 2017 they talk specifically about his two london gigs at like apollo hammersmith but basically as sarah mentioned fans had brought black lives matter signs into the show and were throwing them up on stage and the opening band was muna who who actually like acknowledged it and picked up a sign. And then like fans said that they noticed that Harry Styles was like avoiding it, like purposely did not acknowledge it. And so they talked to a lot of fans that were like very upset that he didn't acknowledge it. And then a few nights later when he was in Stockholm, he told the crowd, quote, if you're a black, if you're a white, if you're gay, if you're straight, if you're transgender, whoever you are, I love you all. Which was like a very minor nod to it, but like also included like in general white people and also straight people. It was just a very blanket like, I love everyone. All lives matter. <laughs> he didn't say that, but that's kind of <laughs> what it felt like. Well, I know that eventually, I'm not exactly sure what show it was at, that he did like run around the stage with a big Black Lives Matter flag. And so fans felt a bit more like, oh, like he's trying, whatever. And so the thing that was really interesting was like in 2020, following the death of George Floyd, there were all of these Black Lives Matter marches internationally. Like everybody was going and marching to show that they were standing for the Black Lives Matter movement. And so Harry was spotted at a Black Lives Matter protest in Los Angeles with some friends. And the thing that I found interesting here is like Harry was there, he's wearing gloves, he's wearing like a full face mask, sunglasses, and a hat. This man is trying to not be seen. So he very much so was like trying to just go and not make this about him. But there were also fans being like, oh, did he, people, did he not want people to know that he was there? And it's like, why are you making this a problem that he went to do something and support people that he felt like he should be supporting? So a lot of fans were like, oh, finally, like I feel seen by him. I feel appreciated by him. And he also made a statement on social media, finally, in May of 2020, where he posted, I do things every day without fear because I am privileged and I am privileged every day because I am white. Being not racist is not enough. We must be anti-racist. Social change is enacted when a society mobilizes. I stand in solidarity 
with all of those protesting. I'm donating to help host bail for arrested organizers. Look inwards, educate yourself and others. Listen, read, share, donate, and vote. Enough is enough. Black Lives Matter. Which I think is the most you can expect from somebody who's not American, can't really do much of anything. But he, this is a really moving statement, I think. So the interesting thing with Harry Styles and like, we're going to talk a little bit about blackfishing in a minute, but so summer of 2020 was such like an intense time period that it was very like, you need to say something right now because there are so many white supremacists out there that are being very loud that you have to very loudly be anti-racist. And prior to this, it was like a lot of white people are just in general uneducated about racism because, hey, guess what? If you grew up in America, they love to not talk about racism. Like in school, slavery is talked about for like a hot second they love to not talk about race okay so there's a lot of like learning education that white people have to do to like get caught up to like what's actually happening because we've just been like willfully ignorant in the dark this whole time and people have been very hesitant to speak about race and i think because they don't want to say the wrong thing and so like until 2020, a lot of celebrities were very hesitant to say anything at all about it. And so then when we have 2020 and everything that happened, it became very like the white supremacists were so loud that you had to speak up in order to be anti-racist because it wasn't enough anymore. And I mean, it was never enough to be not racist. Like you had to be very loud about being anti-racist. And so this is why someone like Harry Styles, who grew up not in America, but I mean, like England has its own problems too, but it's like, it makes sense that he was very ignorant to this whole situation. And a lot of celebrities are like, we can't expect celebrities to be super educated on everything. Yeah. And I think there's lots of scenarios where people get really, really upset about something that is just somebody doing the bare minimum or just not speaking out on something that they're like too afraid to speak out on. And I mean, another good example of this is like Taylor Swift has seen herself in lots of these situations where people are expecting something from her because as we spoke about in our Taylor Swift episodes, her fans know where she stands. But the people who aren't very active in her fandom, they don't know that she's like an LGBTQ activist. Like they don't know that she is not a white supremacist like they don't they they don't know these things because they're not paying attention to the same channels that other people are and so there was also a lot of frustration from taylor fans in response to the you need to calm down video because of her having her hair like dyed different colors which some people said looked like an upside down bi-flag i think it's not because <laughs> there was green in there there's no green in the bisexual flag but i think that also in a lot of these situations there is the parasocial idea there of fans seeing taylor's interactions with diana agron and carly Kloss and being like that's lesbian shit and perpetuating an idea onto somebody and being like oh she dyed her hair like this because she's coming out as bisexual because nothing taylor does is not thought through and so there was like two very different responses to taylor doing this video and doing her hair like this for this video this journalist spencer cornhobbler put this really well so i'm just going to quote from this dude in the atlantic from 2019 and this article is titled The Queasy Double Message of Taylor Swift's You Need to Calm Down. And he writes, Swift is the great champion of 2010s era heterosexual romance, football players and cheerleaders, princess and princesses, and James Dean and good girls have all paired up in her
her hits. But because of like the Carly Kloss situation, as Sarah said, it's led people to like question her sexuality. But Taylor Swift has never like explicitly said things one way or another. So we don't know. This is like the, the weird thing in this situation is we don't know that Taylor's not bi, but we also don't know that she is bi, but it's not our place to like force her to say one way or another. And because Sarah mentioned like Taylor Swift is so well thought and like coded in everything she does, it could mean something. But on the other half of the conversation, could people also take this as performative allyship of just like using bisexuality or like using the queer community to her benefit to promote this song? I don't think so because she also has donated a lot of money to LGBTQ causes and she put like even a donation funds at the end of this music video but that's why on the other side of the conversation people are concerned because as this writer spencer cornobler went on to say is that allyship can be problems around allyship when and he says people with no personal stake facing no germane struggle of their own, not only join the club, but also begin to define it. If heterosexuals become overly important in the gay movement, then it becomes harder to talk with precision about what movement is actually for. And so this is why like queer performative allyship is like really problematic is because celebrities in the past have co-opted this in order to promote their music. I mean, he also acknowledges in this article how there were rumors that Taylor and Katy Perry were gonna kiss in this music video and Taylor was like very quick to shut that down and on Tumblr she even said how to be an ally is to understand the difference between advocating and baiting so I think that that's really powerful and like wow it definitely was and we talked about this in our Taylor episode like it felt very much that that video was like Taylor going through a Rolodex of like who's gay in Hollywood and so there were definitely reasons to be upset with this video or frustrated with things that she was doing with it I think that being too loud about it and like expecting too much of her especially in the like oh is she coming out as bisexual thing as I said with Harry it's none of our fucking business if they don't want to tell us you know it'd be nice to, to know because then it's like oh look somebody I look up to is also like when whatever sexuality you are but it's not information that we deserve access to so i mean that's a scenario where like it seems like taylor is doing something that's more beneficial and she's not doing it in a malicious way but on the other side of things you do have the whole situation where she didn't speak out to support hillary clinton in the 2016 election she was very silent and because of that white supremacists started claiming her as their aryan princess this is where things are problematic because taylor said nothing to squash that and so this was like prior to her speaking out she didn't speak out until 2018 politically so people were very in the dark they were like oh my god is she conservative like is she a white supremacist like we don't know because she literally hasn't said anything and i think in those scenarios it's completely worthy of you yelling as loud as you possibly can hey like i support you why are you not saying that you support me like why are you not condoning people who are against everything i stand for and so in these situations it's like no don't be like i'm never listening to taylor again but it's that thing of like you know that if you're posting about taylor on tumblr taylor's probably going to read it so it's like if enough people are posting about something you will be heard and so that's where the like educating and criticizing comes into play rather than being like cancel them forever because it's completely warranted to be upset about something like this and it very much differs i personally think from wanting somebody to speak out on something that they're uneducated about because it's it's condoning something it's being like yeah hey stop putting me on your like posters for your 
KKK meetings. Like, <laughs> that's not, I don't go there. So it's like, we as the public, I think, do deserve that of a public figure, of knowing that I don't actually stand for this thing that somebody's using me as a poster child for. Yeah, which is different than, I guess, like choosing to speak out or not. Yeah, no, definitely. Because I think that, like, as we keep saying, you can choose to be outspoken about things that you believe in that you think are important. And while it's nice to know where people stand on things, they don't owe it to us. But when somebody's being used as, like, oh, look, they support my cause when they don't. I think that's when like they do owe us an explanation of where they stand because it's like being thought of as a white supremacist is basically being thought of as being part of a terror group. So it's important to say that you're not part of that. So very important. It's a very different thing. (laughs) Her team did try to sue the publication that tried to claim Taylor as their Aryan princess and the ACLU actually got involved and stood up for this blog because they had no right because it was an opinion piece. Like this blog, even though it was a hot take that was not a good one, technically still allowed under free speech. That's so crazy. But also it's like, why not just have Taylor come out yeah, as not being why not? a white supremacist rather than like trying to sue someone for an opinion. Yeah, because I mean, this happened at the same time when she was like purposely not talking about Hillary Clinton when because she was basically laughed off the internet by Kim Kardashian and everyone calling her a snake. So she was like taking her year of silence. And this is a time when she later came out and said that like she didn't want to speak up about Hillary Clinton because she thought her endorsement would be weaponized because she was already not a popular figure. And so that's probably why, but like, Not the best excuse. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. But I mean, there are a few other examples of situations where fans getting upset that somebody's not living up to their expectations of them are actually like hurting these fans and like hurting the like pop culture zeitgeist in a lot of ways because they're doing something that is just kind of more than leaving an icky taste in your mouth you know but they're not things that are worth being like your career should be over forever but they're definitely things that are worth being held accountable for and being like you should go away and educate yourself and come back and be like i realized i fucked up and like a lot of these situations i think deserve more than just like the first acknowledgement of being like oh whoops that was worded wrong i think it's like yeah remember that thing i did like three months ago maybe i shouldn't have done that and this is like i've gone and educated myself and i realized like i 100 percent should not have done that you know like i feel like multiple apologies are in order for most of these things that we're going to be going into here and i think a big one of these is the like a black fishing pandemic that we're going through right now Well, i think it's it's been going on 
like this isn't a new thing but if you're not aware blackfishing is basically cultural appropriation and stealing from black culture to be cool but not having to deal with actually being black it's very much trying to capitalize off of like the quote-unquote exotic look that historically oppressed minorities have there are countless examples of this so we can't get into all of them but just a few that we can touch on is like number one justin bieber until very recently had dreadlocks like may of this year had dreadlocks and there's an article titled Justin Bieber's getting a little too comfortable with being black by Morgan Skinner in a publication called Chaos and Comrades and basically he has been criticized for his dreadlocks but also he included a speech from Martin Luther King Jr. in his recent Justice album and Reverend King's daughter endorsed the track after Bieber voiced his support for the Martin Luther King Jr. Center and other social justice organizations but some of these organizations like expressed gratitude but labeled his intentions as well-meaning but empty and then like also Justin Bieber in general has like recognized that he uses black culture and that he profits and like has benefited from it and like he like wants to use his platform to do better but like where's the line there was also criticism about DJ Khaled's song featuring Drake called Popstar and in the music video the the whole premise of the video is that Drake doesn't want to do the video with DJ Khaled so Drake's like in the beginning talking about like he doesn't want to do the video so instead they just get Justin Bieber to do it so like the track is Drake rapping but it's Justin Bieber pretending that he's rapping and like Justin Bieber's the actor and, and like Scooter Braun is in it and so like that also got criticism because it was like why did you have to do that you guys can't yeah. see my face right now, but I I am perplexed. <laughs> Choices were made. That's a choice. That's so weird. I just don't understand. And I mean, and like Justin Bieber is very obviously a white man, like appropriating a culture that he probably thinks that he's appreciating, but he's not because black people have spoken out against what he's been doing. But then on the other hand, we have somebody like Ariana Grande who is, in a lot of people's opinions, the queen of blackfishing. Because Ariana Grande, whose last name is actually pronounced Grandy, but she just stopped correcting people, is an Italian white woman. And there is a lot, there's a lot to unpack in the Ariana Grande situation. But I found this article from the tab called Ariana Grande is a blackfish. And these are the receipts. And it's written by Diora Shadi Genova. And this was written in 2019. And basically what they're saying is that she's profiting off of this racial ambiguity that she's created by being tan and having like a certain look and style that she's utilizing. And I mean, there's a lot of discourse on the internet and on TikTok and all these things. And she mentions this in her article about how like at the 2016 MTV Awards, she sang with Nicki Minaj and she looks literally a shade darker than Nicki. And Nicki is like actually a black woman. And so Ariana has been like emulating black culture and doing all this stuff. But then when she's on like a cover of a magazine or even on her Instagram, like she's showing herself as a white woman. Like when she was on the cover of Vogue, she's like a very pale, has like blonde hair, has freckles going on. If you go look at her Instagram, she's showing herself as 
much fairer skinned than you see her in her live performances or in music videos or other imagery that's like promoting her music and so it's this weird thing where it's like ariana the artist is blackfishing and ariana the like personal human is like oh but i'm a white lady so it's just this very weird juxtaposition of like you shouldn't appropriate a culture ever but the fact that you're clearly using it to make your music viewed as something else is so insane and so insane sensitive yeah like using it when it benefits you i mean because we just talked about little mix jesse nelson has also been accused of the same thing of she has lip fillers she's done her hair in braids before or like recently since leaving little mix she's had like this very big very curly hairstyle and she has been quite tanned to the point where again there's photos of like her next to leanne who's mixed race in little mix and she looks darker than leanne and jesse hasn't like ever addressed these things Whoa. Yeah, see, case in point, that is crazy. But again, Spencer Kornhobler coming in with the good takes. For The Atlantic in 2019, he again is talking about Ariana Grande and Ariana Grande and cultural appropriation. And he writes, appropriation remains one of the hardest to talk about phenomena in pop culture, which is fundamentally a hodgepodge of widely circulated ideas that originated in specific subcultures. Are marginalized creators being materially harmed and erased? But on another level, there are questions of aesthetics and taste. Does the pop star draw upon her influences in a way that feels original? Does her work disrespect or honor those influences? Is there a double standard to how her work is received? So... Going back to, I mean, because this is the thing is like Ariana does this, but then she's like a really big advocate for Black Lives Matter and for a lot of social causes. So it's like, where do we draw the line? Is there a line? How do fans feel about this? Yeah, it's. I feel like it must be so complicated, especially for her Black fans to like really battle with that. Like, oh, like she's really good at being outspoken and giving all those links and showing up when she needs to show up and when she should show up. But at the same time, she's also making most of her money by appropriating their culture. So it's like, it's not our place to speak on. Like we're allowed to be mad about it, but also it's like, this is one of the situations where it's like, us as other white women should be holding fellow white women accountable being like hey you're fucking up like these black women shouldn't have to educate ariana grande ariana grande should be fucking aware of what she's doing especially for how outspoken she is it's quite an anomaly and i think it has to go back to like she's so massively talented and so massively popular that like this isn't having repercussions for her yeah it's crazy it's so crazy and it's again one of those things where it's like we shouldn't cancel her but she should be criticized and she should go and educate herself well this is the thing that's like it's quite difficult because it's like she is educated clearly if she's like sharing so many links and like being very loud about social justice but then like why is she still doing this does she feel like she's allowed to blackfish because she does so much social justice work i don't know well, that's like that, like Rachel Dolezal chick who like pretended to be black forever. It was like the head of her local NAACP or something. And like, it was a whole fucking thing. And that. she was just like a fucking white woman. It was wild. So yeah. So I mean, that whole scenario is like, there are so many other examples of black fishing. There's a huge issue with it in k-pop and in other genres of things of just people getting away with things because it's like oh like it's a different culture like they don't understand or just people making excuses for people but also at the same time there are people who are rightfully upset about it and i mean there 
have been other situations that have come up recently of artists doing things where they think that they're doing something that's good, but they're actually causing issue. And so in comparison to like blackfishing, which is genuinely bad because now we also have this issue of like mixed race people are feeling that their mixed raceness is being erased because people are like, oh, you're white passing when like five years ago, they would not have been thought of as white passing. So this is something that is actually negatively affecting a lot of people in a lot of ways because it's changing beauty standards, it's changing all this stuff where like people are just sort of co-opting things and turning it into whiteness when it's not whiteness whatsoever. And then we have these other situations going on in pop culture at the moment where people are taking things that they've been through or that they think that they're passionate about and they're like quote unquote trying to give a voice to the voiceless, but in doing so, they're really alienating them. And so one example of this is like how is the way that Demi Lovato has been speaking out about their drug abuse and how they recently released a music video that recreated their overdose verbatim. And they were speaking about this and while there's not a ton written about people being mad about it, there was a lot of discourse going on on TikTok which obviously doesn't always transfer over to the news cycle, but Morgan Knoll for Hello Giggles actually did write about the TikTok frustration with Demi Lovato because basically what these TikTok users are saying, and Morgan quoted this one TikTok user whose username is skd420, who is a recovering heroin addict, and basically what they said in their video is, overdosing is insanely traumatic. I won't even think about the times it's happened to me because I will just end up spiraling what she's doing is glorifying drug use and overdoses for her young audience and somebody else commented on this saying that portraying overdoses and other forms of trauma literally is not the best or most sensitive way to go about making art it glorifies it it desensitizes us to it and it can hurt people who have experienced these sorts of things before so there's definitely things that people are doing like with this demi situation like they definitely thought that they were creating art from something that they went through but i don't think that they were thinking about how this could negatively affect other people where reliving trauma isn't good for everybody so this is where this gets kind of complicated is because it's like if demi wants to make art about their experiences and like that's therapeutic for them that's a good thing like it's good for them to be like fully authentic and fully make art for themselves in order to like process what they've been through but is their responsibility for these artists to put then put a filter between what they actually show to the public. Because in this situation, Demi and their team had a choice to make about pushing that forward. And so in their mindset, I don't think they were attempting to do anything malicious. I think they were just being authentic to what happened and maybe that's what they needed. But you have to realize, as these TikTok users have pointed out, this can be very triggering for a lot of people. And so even though Demi might not have been purposely trying to glorify drug abuse, in the context of just putting it out in the wild, like that is what it kind of is because you don't know what other people are going through. And so do these artists have a responsibility? I guess really just do these artists have a responsibility to put a filter in place of maybe what's good for them isn't necessarily good for the general public? Yeah, and I mean, I think that there's so many people who do other types of art that are 
in response to overcoming things like drug overdoses or just drug abuse or alcohol addiction or other things like that. And I think that there could have been another way to do this for them to heal and for them to put this sort of art into the world of being like, this is what my overdose felt like to me. And they could have done it in a more artistic way rather than fully just making a video that was a reenactment of what had happened to them. Because I think that's where people feel offended because it's something that unfortunately a lot of drug users have gone through of overdosing like that one tiktok user katie even spoke in their video about how they literally plan their funeral with their mother and that that these are things that they've gone through because they had overdosed before and they wound up having to have their arm amputated because of this and so demi's spoken about in their documentary about what has happened their body in response to the overdose that they went through and so it's like when you know that something has been so traumatic to your body and that other people who have used heroin have gone through similar things because there is a huge issue especially right now of people getting fentanyl laced heroin when the fentanyl is like affecting their response to the drug that they're used to and so it's causing more of an issue with heroin users but so this is more of an issue now so the response to this sort of content is even more so to be like what what are you doing like this is traumatizing to everybody because most people probably know somebody who this has happened to so i wanted to like give kind of like an opposite example of this with billy eilish so billy and phineas went on episode of song exploder which is really cool podcast where they basically were deconstructing how they made everything I wanted. And they're going through like the lyrics and Phineas is talking about how he, you know, brought in things sonically, but they actually told this really interesting story about like in the verse, she sings like, I had a dream. I had everything I wanted that I could fly. So I stepped off the golden and she's in this podcast episode, literally saying that she woke up and had a dream that like she died. And she was like in her dream, like experiencing the world as like how people reacted to her death. And so when she was writing this song with Phineas in I think it was like 2018 they were working on it together and she started opening up to Phineas about like this dream that had happened and he got really upset he was like we can't do a song about this like I I don't even know why you would think that we could write about this and the whole family got involved it was like a big fight and Billy was like how could you say how can I not write about this like I have to write about this this is my personal lived experience and so basically they put the song away for like a year and like a year later they revisited it Billy Eilish was like in a much better mental place and she had been working on her mental health so she was able to revisit it with new eyes and basically her and Phineas decided that they needed some kind of essentially like a reprise to the song of like what is coming out of this and so they wrote into the pre-chorus Billy says like I had a dream I got everything I wanted but then I woke up and I see you with me and the chorus goes and you say as long as I'm here no one can hurt you and so it's kind of about even though you were in this really dark scenario you realize that like you have support you have people with you and so So in doing that, that was a situation where if Billy had just like gone through with this song, it essentially is talking about suicide. And so I think it would have had a similar effect to what's going on with the Demi video of people being like, this is extremely triggering. You're literally just like essentially glorifying suicide, even though Billy's intentions were just to write about her personal experiences. And I think that that's just showing how much like Billy trusted her team and how much her family was kind of like aware of how people could take that. Because as we've said, 
said before, like in these parasocial relationships, if you have somebody that you look up to or that you think is a good role model or whatever, doing something or glorifying something that you personally are struggling with, it can cause you to be like oh well if they're suicidal oh well if they're doing this and like glorifying it then maybe it's okay that I feel this way instead of trying to get help which I think like the way that Billy changed these lyrics very much so is like there are people here for you you know making people aware of like it's okay to feel sad inside and to be depressed and to have those feelings but like you do have those people around you and I feel like a lot of people who go through really depressive episodes and suicidal tendencies sort of forget that the people around them do care and like would miss them if they were gone yeah and that's why like i think this is a really great example on the flip side of like her waiting to finish this artwork which at the time was authentic to herself but waiting to finish it until she was in a better place and could follow up and say like you can get through this and i think that goes to show she had the responsibility of waiting until she could provide her fans something more something more than just being depressed and i mean just for like one last example of somebody just completely missing the mark on them thinking that they're advocating for something and just fucking it up and people being mad and them being like how dare you be mad at me i was speaking for you and it's like yeah you were speaking for us was sia's film music and in this film basically sia has the main character who's called music is an autistic girl and basically what the story of the film is is that they are nonverbal and that they understand life through music and so it's like a musical and so the main issue was was that rather than cast somebody on the autistic spectrum sia cast maddie ziegler which <laughs> of course she did and so for those of you who aren't aware of the see a cinematic universe <laughs> maddie zeigler was on the show dance moms as a child she's like a very talented dancer and she has been in every single sia music video like since forever and like they have like a very questionable relationship like it's very weird but she's not very like neurodivergent she's not neurodivergent she's a neurotypical human and so basically like with Sia hiring Maddie instead of somebody on the autism spectrum like this comes after like a very long standing debate over whether able-bodied or neurotypical people should play disabled or neurodivergent characters so there was like a lot of controversy on Twitter and people were getting really big mad about this and so Sia basically made this tweet where she's saying how quote I actually tried working with a beautiful young girl nonverbal on the spectrum and she found it unpleasant and stressful so that's why I cast Maddie and this person on Twitter basically responded to Sia basically being like, oh, the one autistic actress that we tried to work could not handle this by saying several autistic actors, myself included, responded to these tweets. We all said we could have acted in it on short notice. These excuses are just that, excuses. The fact of the matter is your effort was made to include anyone who's actually autistic. And Sia responded with, maybe you're just a bad actor. Not a good so, take to have. Just no. Not a good take to have. Bad. And then continuing on this downward spiral, Sia continues to post dumb shit on Twitter. By later that day, posting i cast 13 neuroatypical people three trans folk and not as fucking prostitutes or drug addicts but as doctors nurses and singers fucking sad nobody's even seen the dang movie my heart has always been in the right place and it's like oh do you want an award for casting people in a movie <laughs> like i don't understand and so also sia in continuing to stand up for her choices on this australian talk show called the project she basically said that maddie was apprehensive about playing 
playing the role and she said that Maddie told her I don't want anybody to think I'm making fun of them and Sia was like and I bald-facedly said I won't let that happen but of course it happened because at the time, Maddie was 14 when this was filmed, and she's playing somebody on the autism spectrum. She's not a seasoned actress, and unfortunately, she didn't have anybody in place to like even teach her the correct way to go about doing this role. And a Guardian critic named Simran Hans summed up like the movie with a one-star review, saying, Ziegler is not herself on the autistic spectrum. It's a problem, especially given the cartoonishness of her portrayal, which sees her gurning, grimacing, and mumbling through her scenes. The lyrics platitudes about music's magic mind and failing body are offensive too so they literally missed every single mark with this whole film and i think going back to just like the overall topic of the conversation of people you look up to doing things that don't align with your morals or like the morals you think they should have like this scenario and a few of the ones prior are very like they should have done better they messed up they straight up messed up like this wasn't a questionably moral like ambiguous thing it was just like no this wasn't this wasn't right and i mean lots and lots of autistic journalists influencers like every single person who had a voice in the autism community was very much like you fucked up and see it's like no i didn't and so it's just that thing where they weren't even trying to cancel her they were trying to do what we said which was like hold her accountable and educate her and she's like no sorry i don't want to be educated i'm actually better at this than you are and it's like you're fucking not and so these are these things where it's like we have situations like people were upset with harry and harry seemed to go and learn and while we still don't know because as we said he's a very private person he like made social media posts he went to a black lives matter protest that sort of thing and then you have on the complete opposite end of the spectrum sia over here being like now i understand autistic people better than they do which isn't okay at all so i think the question is for everyone and i would love to get your thoughts on this jenna of like where is the line <laughs> i guess like with that sia example in mind it's kind of just like you need to know like when to fight your battles i think especially when it comes to celebrities and when it comes to your personal like parasocial relationship with these celebrities of like when it's worth making a fuss about because you have these situations where like lizzo goes on a juice cleanse and your response to that is just going to make her feel bad like it's silly or like taylor having her hair and like like possibly a bi flag and then you speculating about whether or not she's bisexual and whether or not she's appropriating bisexuality by doing this and then on the other hand you have like ariana grande being outspoken about the black lives matter movement but she's blackfishing herself or sia being like no i know more about autism than autistic people so it's like is it really necessary to always call out these celebrities just because you have assumptions of who you, they are and who you want them to be it's like such a difficult question and it's such a case-by-case -case basis which i think is you know why we tried to present a lot of examples here but going back to like mentioning earlier about harry styles and like the black lives matter thing just as that as an example of a lot of people aren't we're not Ed, like grown up being educated on a wide variety of these topics right especially as i mentioned like being white we don't talk about racism in school so a lot of celebrities are uneducated about a lot of things just like sia was uneducated about autism it was wrong for sia to just go full steam ahead and doing whatever she wanted without educating herself but at the same time it's like we can't expect every single celebrity to be 
100% educated on every single topic. Like, as we know, even with this podcast, even challenging sexism, it's like, there's a lot of learning and unlearning you have to do. And the thing is, we're all doing, hopefully doing our best to educate ourselves how we can. But this is why, like, I mean, even Sarah and I aren't perfect. Like, we're not going to speak about things that we're not educated about because we haven't been able to put in the time into like learning about those things but that doesn't mean we're not going to not put in the time in the future but it's just people expecting celebrities to be 100 on the right side of history on all things when there's so many things out there in the world you can never like fully grasp every single little thing I think it's good to want and expect people to learn and be open about it but I think also we just need to be aware that the internet has tricked us into thinking that we are owed access to these people's views and that sort of thing. And so while it's okay to be disappointed, I think at the same time, you just need to take a step back every now and again and be like, why am I mad at this? And why do I expect them to share with me? Because there are even like friends that I've had who sometimes post things and they think that they're in the right. And I'm just like, hey, that was maybe (laughs) anti-Semitic or just like something along those lines where it's like, hey, you might've accidentally been racist or like, hey, you might've accidentally like done this or done that. Or like, you think you're doing the right thing and you're not. But I think also as a journalist, sometimes you don't know like what sources are and aren't trustworthy and so it's the same thing with celebrities it's like you need to view these celebrities in the same way as like you would view your friends like you wouldn't get as mad at your friends or you wouldn't be as quick to be like you're no longer my friend if somebody shared something that is wrong you know so i think there's just like a lot of room for growth in some of these scenarios and in other scenarios like the ceo one it's just a fucking lost (laughs) cause and we need to continue to be as loud as possible about it and like not give her the opportunity to put out more garbage like this in the future so i mean if you guys have any thoughts on this we'd absolutely love to hear from you we hope that we handled these things with as much care as possible we are trying our absolute best we have been putting in lots of work to try and educate ourselves on lots of these topics and so we hope that we did you guys well in this but yeah if you have any qualms or anything on those lines we are always open for more discourse and you can come and do that with us on twitter or instagram we are at name three songs or you can talk to us personally i am at sarah underscore fagan and jenna is at jenna underscore million so thanks for joining us this week on name three songs until next time never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band and remember you're never too cool to listen to billy eilish don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review they really help if you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode you can visit name three songs.com everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Anatomy of an ad. 
subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.